What's the best advice, or maybe I shouldn't say best, maybe I should just say most memorable advice that you ever heard uh, that from your dad growing up? And this is when I wish we were in a class setting because I bet there are a lot of great responses out there. My dad always used to say this, okay? And maybe it was good and wise, or maybe it was not something that you really should heed in your life, or it was funny. Uh, Many folks never forget the counsel that their fathers gave them growing up. There's a musician, Jason Isbell. He wrote a song entirely from the perspective of his dad. And it's called Outfit, and it includes several bits of advice he heard from his father growing up. And here are a few samples. Don't call what you're wearing an outfit. Don't ever say your car is broke, because you should be able to fix it yourself. And uh, I do not heed that advice. Uh, Call home on your sister's birthday. Don't act like your family's a joke. Don't try to be who you ain't. And it's one of his most popular songs. I think it's because it stirs people's memories about the things their dad used to say when they were growing up. Many Twitter users have shared pieces of advice from their fathers using the hashtag dadvice. And some of you may not know anything that I just said in that sentence, but uh, here are some interesting pieces of advice from dads. One person says, my dad always tells me, don't use your turn signal. It's no one else's business where you're going. (laughs) That's not good advice. Uh, And it's against the law. At the airport, my dad said, put one shoe in each suitcase so if it gets stolen, they can't wear your shoes. So, I mean, you can't wear your shoes either, but at least they won't be able to wear your shoes. So you're sticking it to the thief there. My dad told me that if I ever wanted to to nap during class to make it look like I'm praying so my teacher couldn't get mad. So this is how you nap in class. (laughs) I don't know about that, Dad. I remember somebody else, I remember my dad saying, the grass may be greener on the other side, but it sure took a whole lot of manure to get it that way. So there's some good dad advice. But of course, the job of, this is a gathering of Christians this morning and a lot of Christian fathers out there. The job of Christian fathers goes way beyond offering advice, even good advice. We've heard some bad advice. But even good advice about how to live in this world, our job as Christian dads goes well beyond just dispensing pieces of advice to our children. And our passage this morning is just one verse. It's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, and you can grab a Bible and go there with me, or I've got uh, most of the text up here on the screen this morning. Our passage speaks of the responsibility of Christian dads toward their children. So if you're a Christian dad like me, pay close attention to God's Word this morning. And if you're not, there's still going to be something in this sermon from God's Word for you. First, what Paul gives us in Ephesians is a negative action to avoid. Dads, don't do this. Do not provoke your children to anger. I love how the message paraphrases this. Don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. And maybe you think, well, you know what? It's a mom and a dad's duty and responsibility to come down hard on occasion. And I'm not going to fight with you about that. I believe that it is sometimes appropriate to be firm and direct, 
But I also believe we must do so gently and not harshly. It's never okay to demean or condescend to or humiliate or act rudely toward our children. Surely we can be firm. Surely we can be tough without being mean-spirited and rude. Paul says, don't provoke your children to wrath. And he says something similar in the book of Colossians. But he adds a new idea to it. Let me share it with you. This is Colossians 3, 21. He adds this thought. Don't provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So Paul says, if you come down too hard on your children, if, you, if there is a harshness in your tone with your kids all the time, they will become discouraged. Or another way of saying this is they will despair of pleasing their parents. There is such a thing as being too tough. Being so tough that your kids resent you and they no longer want to follow your lead and your instructions and your example. They despair of following their father or their parents. Now, both verses come right after children obey your parents. So Paul says, children obey your parents, but then he follows that up in both Ephesians and Colossians. To fathers, the instruction is, be the kind of parent that your kids want to obey. Now, I'm not naive. I know kids are not always going to want to obey their parents, but that is the goal that Paul sets forth for dads. Yes, be tough. Yes, be firm. But don't be so firm that you're mean-spirited or you're unkind or you're rude to your children. Do not provoke your children to wrath. But then there's not just a negative action to avoid in this verse. There's also a positive action to develop. And isn't that true with repentance? We stop some things and we start others. We get rid of that and we replace it with this. And that's what Paul is saying here. Don't do this, but do this instead. As Christians, as people who are now devoted to the Lord. Here's the positive action. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The old way of saying that, the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And I, I want to start with this word discipline. Because I think we really need to dispense with the notion that discipline is a bad word. A lot of people don't like the word discipline. To them, it has a lot of negative associations. But discipline is good. And, and we should have a vision of discipline that transcends just the negative, just the saying no. Discipline is the steady correction and guidance provided by loving parents constantly, regularly, throughout the day and week and throughout the years. That is discipline. Discipline is simply the way of talking about how parents raise their children rightly. Sometimes it's positive. Sometimes it praises. And sometimes it includes laughter and warmth. But other times it includes correction. And other times it includes saying no. A teenage girl was being interviewed and at one point in the exchange, she said, I know for a fact that my parents don't love me. Now, why do you think she said that? Maybe you think she said that because her parents don't give her everything that she wants. They didn't buy her a brand new car when she turned 16. They don't always let her go out with whoever she wants every night and go wherever she wants to go. Uh, they have a strict curfew. They, they like for her to be home 
at a certain time. They like for her to check in. They're too restrictive. Maybe you're thinking that's why this girl said, my parents don't love me. In this interview, the interviewer followed up with this. Why do you think your parents don't love you? She replied, well, it's because they never tell me no. They let me do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it. They treat me more like their friend than their child. If they really love me, they would actually care about what I do or don't do. This young girl, and she's not the only one, she wants limits and she wants restrictions. She may not quite know how to say that, but I want my parents to love me enough to restrict my life and to tell me no once in a while. I, that would at least show me that they're looking out for me and they're concerned about my well-being and that they love me. My parents never tell me no. You know, sometimes love says yes, but other times love says no. And our model as parents, as fathers, as we direct our children through this life is God himself, who said in his own words, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. That's the book of Revelation chapter 3, verse 19. God says, my discipline, my instruction, my limits, they flow from my love. And boy, I'm thankful to survey God who sometimes tells me no. Because he knows better than me what's best for me. And I think that I know what will bring me satisfaction and fulfillment in this life? But sometimes God says no. And I'm glad he loves me enough to tell me no once in a while. Now to grow properly, children must learn the Lord's instructions. The message paraphrases, take your children by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. I love that. Our discipline and our instruction as people of faith, as Christians... These things are rooted in the grand story of God's redemption. We don't just say yes to say yes or no to say no. And the reason should not always be because I said so. Now, I know sometimes we don't have time to say anything more than because I said to do it. And sometimes that's appropriate, and I'm not knocking that because, you know, if I did, I'd, I would have to confess my sins to you because I say that quite often because I said so. There's a place for that. But that shouldn't be the only response that we give to our children. Our instruction should be rooted in the Word of God. And our kids should eventually see that what we're trying to do is to help mold them into the, the shape of Jesus Christ and help bring them into the paths of righteousness so that they can know and love the Lord and spend eternity uh, with Him. And it's exasperating to our children when they, we give them a lot of rules, but there's never anything undergirding those rules, and they don't understand why. We can tell them why. It's because God has set forth a particular way to live, and it is, this, it is following this way that brings us into the best, most abundant life possible. And that's why we're directing your steps. And that's why we're allowing some things and, and, and telling you no about other things, because we love you, and God loves you, and this is the way we are bringing you into the story of God. So there's an undergirding reason. And we must somehow convey this to our children. This is why, this is why we sometimes have to be strict. And this is why we sometimes say no. 
And it's an every day. It's an every hour endeavor. We cannot compartmentalize our lives. It takes all of us all the time. I think about, and maybe Paul had this in mind as he wrote to the Ephesians. Think about the book in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 6. When God's people were being instructed about how to live out His commandments and how to pass those on to the next generation. The writer Moses says, You shall teach them diligently to your children. But he doesn't stop there. Listen. You shall talk of them when you sit at your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. Now this is an ancient text. But not much needs to change in our application of this. Maybe we could replace when you walk by the way with when you drive down the road. But this pretty much encompasses everyday life and all the activities therein. Be instructing your children by word and deed, by your example and your speech. When you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, when you're there in the house, or when you're on the go. Now, that's pretty much everywhere. That's pretty much all the time. And that's what it takes for us Christian parents. That is the responsibility. That is the life to which we have been called. Training up our children in the way that they should go. In the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's an everyday, every hour endeavor. And I want to hone in on this phrase. Bring them up. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And some of you may be asking, why is it fathers? Why does Paul zoom in on fathers here? You know, why does he not say parents or, or fathers and mothers? Well, we know that fathers are called to be the spiritual leaders in their home and that wives and children are to submit to that spiritual leadership. So that's one reason. But I think it's also because fathers, and you know this to be true from your experience, whether you had a really great dad or a lousy one, your father has been a highly influential figure in your life, for good or bad. Our fathers, they have great power over us. The way that they brought us up, their character, I think about, and I talk about this gentleman a lot, Fred Craddock, who was a preacher in, in the Christian church, and he was a very notable preacher, and he wrote a lot of books about preaching, and he was sought after and well-regarded and well-known, and I'm sure he heard countless compliments from his sermons, but late in life, he reflected on the fact that he became, he, he, he did a lot of soul-searching, and he concluded that he became a preacher in order to redeem his dad. Because his dad wasn't in church much growing up. And his dad never said, you know, son, I'm proud of you for going into the ministry. The only thing his dad said to him about being a preacher was, hey, don't be like John the Baptist and lose your head. That was it. Fred Craddock says one time he was invited back to his home congregation. In Humboldt, Tennessee is where he grew up and he was preaching. And afterwards... An elderly gentleman came up to him about his dad's age and he said, you sound like your daddy. And he said that was the grandest compliment that he had ever received about any sermon that he ever preached. 
that when he talked, he sounded like his dad. Our fathers have great power over us. They're highly influential figures in our lives. So I think that's one reason Paul says, fathers, bring your children up. I don't want to diminish the role of mothers. Mothers are vitally important. But let's face it, bringing children up in the faith is much harder without dads. It can be done. I know that it can be done. And and there's proof in this room that it can be done. But it's much harder without fathers. Without their influence. Without their example. And so let me say this to myself and to all of the fathers out there. Fathers, it is not somebody else's job to bring up your children in the faith. It is not my job as the preacher. It is not the elder's job. It is not the youth minister's job. It's not the job of Sunday school teachers or deacons or other trusted, faithful adults. All of these people can surround you in your endeavor to bring your children up in the Lord, and they ought to, and you ought to utilize them, and they should complement what you're teaching at home. But the buck stops with you, dads. It is your job to bring them up in the faith. And I want you to be faced with that responsibility. I need to be faced with that responsibility this morning. And I need to feel that weight on my shoulders. And it's not a weight, of course, that I have to bear alone. I have the Lord by my side. But dads, we need to come face to face with this calling from the Scriptures that it's our job to bring up our children in the faith. We need more dads to stand up and say, as Joshua did when he claimed his house for God, as for me and my household and my family, we will serve the Lord. Which dads among us are willing to stand up and say that this morning? As for me and my house, I don't know about all the other households in America or in this world, but as for me and my wife and my children in this home, we will follow the Lord. We will be devoted to Him. Can you imagine how this country, how this world, how Christianity would be transformed if more fathers would take responsibility for the spiritual leadership of their home? And stand up and say, as Joshua did, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The bottom line is this. Earthly fathers have been called to show their children the kind of love and concern that their heavenly father has for them. We are called to give our children a glimpse of the care and compassion and love that their God has for them. We are to be representatives of the Father's love. I texted my good friend Carrie Rogers, and I told her, when I think about people who admire their godly fathers, I think of her. And I said, could you reflect? And of course, Christy, her sister. And if you have ever spoken to these ladies, you know that they adore their dad. And they adore him because he was a godly man. And because he was devoted to the Lord. And I said, could you reflect a little bit on what you admired about him? And, and he's been gone for several years. This is what she said. As our father, he reflected the father in heaven. 
He displayed 100% unconditional love. He told us that He loved us every single day. His love made us believe that we were special. His discipline was light and His love was heavy. Boy, I love that. Still now, when I hear sermons on the Father's love, I think of my sweet daddy and how he showed us in real time what God wanted in earthly fathers and even why God created the family in the first place. He gave us a glimpse of God's love and protection. Now, when I'm gone, that's the way I want my daughters to talk about me. That's the kind of dad I want to be. And the truth is, the influence of a godly father can far outlive the father himself. Lauren's dad, my father-in-law, when he was born, his grandfather wrote just a short message in his baby book. And he never really knew his grandfather. He passed away before Lauren's dad turned five. But to this day, he carries this message around in his wallet. He copied it on a post-it note, and it stays in his wallet at all times. And this is what his grandfather wrote in his baby book over 50 years ago. Presented to Stephen Lusk by his granddaddy, Fike, with a prayer in his heart that his life will be dedicated to Christ and his cause. And those words, spoken by a grandfather he never knew, are with him at all times, in his back pocket, reminding him of the mission and really the dream that his granddad had for his life. Talk about the godly influence of a father reaching down through generations. I want to be a godly father. I want to be a father who shows my children a glimpse of their heavenly father's love. I want to be a father who guides them in paths of righteousness. I want to be a father that teaches them the way of Christ and desires above all for them to to name the name of Jesus when the time is right and to be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. What about you, dads? Talking to the dads. Who out there wants to be a godly father like what we've been talking about this morning? Maybe if you're a dad, you want to come today. It's Father's Day. Maybe on this, maybe this can be a Father's Day for you to remember. Maybe Father's Day 2017 will be the day that you came and you said, before this church family and before God Almighty, I haven't been the kind of dad that I need to be. Maybe you're a dad who's not a baptized believer. And you've decided, in order to raise your family in the faith, you need to be devoted to Christ in the first place. And so today is the day that you can come in front of your wife and your children and confess the name of Christ and be buried in water for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can truly be the father that you need to be. So maybe we've got some dads who want to come, maybe not to be baptized, but maybe just to say, I need to step up my game. And I am claiming today that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But let me speak to all of you for just a moment more. Let me tell you a little bit about your heavenly father. Because let's face it, there are some people in this room, and you didn't like this sermon this morning, you didn't like hearing about it, because you had a deadbeat dad growing up. And he was no good. 
and you didn't have much of a relationship with him, or maybe, maybe you did and he was harsh with you or abusive to you. And for that reason, this metaphor of connecting fathers with our God never really resonated with you because there's, you don't have a positive image of a father. Your heavenly father is nothing like your deadbeat dad. He loves you unconditionally. And as Carrie said about her dad, he does discipline. Our father, that is, who is in heaven. He disciplines us because he loves us. And he wants us to stay on that path and he corrects us when we go astray. His discipline flows from his love, but in the life to come, his discipline will seem very light and worthwhile compared to that heavy love that we will experience forevermore. And today you can come And you can receive the Father's love for you. And you can become a child of His. The greatest Father that there is. And if that's your desire, we want to invite you to come right now as we stand and sing.